The following is a production of Art Trap Productions, brought to you by the Gallifrey Embassy and has been made possible by supporting subscribers and donations from listeners like you. This episode brought to you by Pachock Supporting Subscribers. Go to arttrap.com slash Pachock Supporter to become a supporting subscriber. Support the show and get extra content and other bonuses. This episode brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download at audibletrial.com slash Pachock. Over 85,000 titles to choose from for your iPod or MP3 player. This episode also supported by the Pachock Podcast Companion app for the iPhone, iPad, and iPod Touch, now in the iTunes App Store. Live from an empty jelly baby bag on an unnamed planet in the far future, it's Doctor Who Podshock. The Gallifreyan Embassy presents Doctor Who Podshock 275. And standing here, staring up at this stone face carved in a cliff, it's Mr. Dave Acey. Yeah, I'm on the fifth moon of Pluto, just watching you go past. It's not, it's not the, the moon of Poosh, is it? <laughs> and also joining us, the omnipotent one himself, Mr. Louis Trapani. Hello, 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 hello. It's, it's weird that you are coincidental that you mentioned Pluto because I happen to be wearing my... Pluto shirt. No, not the Disney character Pluto, but I have a shirt with the solar system on it, and Pluto is um, very outraged being demoted. <laughs> so it's... um, it, It's he's... making up for it by... by... <laughs> right, I'll show you. I'll have another moon. <laughs> <laughs> so it's uh, it's very fitting that um, being... Hang on, hang on. Do you say Lewis is mooning in his Pluto shirt? <laughs> <laughs> Aren't you glad this isn't a video podcast? <laughs> <laughs> yes, because anyway, never mind. I'm not going there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're going to keep gonna keep this G rated for everyone. <laughs> well, it's uh, what is it? It's it's July. It's already is it July 11th already? How can this yes. be? Yes, it is. Well, I hope everyone those that um, celebrate Independence Day in the U.S. I hope everyone had a good. Holiday. I can't believe it's already um, a week now that it's um, have passed. But time just—it seems like once that holiday comes by, time accelerates <laughs> even further, even faster than it was. The first half of the year goes by so quick, so quick. It feels like it was just New Year's, and well, n- now it will be the um, before you know it. Will be, there'll be a new series of Doctor Who on on the telly? Well, I believe uh, it does accelerate because in. Uh one place in the U.S., all the fireworks went off at once. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I uh, I saw a video. I would have been very disappointed if I was among that crowd that, you know, went out there and, uh, you know, and, and fought the crowd and got a spot there. And then bam, everything Whoosh. goes out at once. Show's over. <laughs> One minute into it. <laughs> that's all we got, folks. That's it. Yeah, that's it. If you video recorded it, you could slow it down and watch yeah. it. <laughs> Oh dear! Yeah. Mm. <laughs> don't blink. <laughs> don't blink. There you go. Gives yeah. new meaning to don't blink. <laughs> well, actually, I saw, I saw, I've seen this on Facebook. Um, there's a picture of the Statue of Liberty. David Tennant standing next to it, of course. It says uh, that you know it's one of the biggest uh, 
statues, you know, and the only reason why it never moves is because everybody's always looking at it. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> well, you know, speaking of to don't blink, I know both um, myself and Dave posted about this, but there's a a video that's making the rounds on YouTube. It's um, it's there's a thirty, I think it's a thirty year old man who interviews himself at twelve. And he's, uh, you know, he, but what happened was that he had, when he was back in 1992 or whatever, he recorded a video of himself at the age of 12, which he's interviewing himself as an adult. And he saved this videotape. And now that he now, um, what is it? 30 years later, whatever, or 20 years, what 20 years later, he's found the tape. And now he's, um, he does this interview and, uh, so the younger self of him, inter- you know, uh, speaks to a, the adult and he asks if he's still a Doctor Who fan. And the adult looks over his shoulder and sees all the Doctor Who memorabilia and <laughs> goes, no. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I'd seen the, the, the video, but I, I didn't realize it was a connection to Doctor Who. So Yes, like, yeah, you need no. to. So I was like, oh, yeah, that sounds kind of cool. <laughs> well, then there's also a don't blink reference. That's what reminded me of it when we started talking about the – because it's, it's very much uh, – harkens back to uh you know that um you know uh the tenth doctor leaving uh video messages from a different era you know so it was um on all of dave's uh dvds yes yeah all 11 of them isn't it dave <laughs> 17 surely 17. yeah well so you have you have at least 17 now wow Wow, yeah. You, catch, you, you caught up finally. Yeah, and, and uh, funnily enough, they've all got uh, Kerry Mulligan on them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's unstoppable, folks. <laughs> yeah, Jeremiah MacDonald, it was, created a video himself interviewing himself. Uh, he recorded the first one in 1992. Uh, uh, so the 32-year-old MacDonald and the 12-year-old MacDonald carry on a fun conversation on the internet, and it's gone viral. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. It's, um, it's, uh, it's actually pretty cool, you know. It's short, whatever. If you want to see it, I'll put a link to it in the show notes, but um, I, I put it on my uh, Tumblr log on Tumblr, dropped on earth tumblr.com so since the last show lots of news um said some no, sad never. news which we'll get into feedback which was uh you know the, the death of caroline john which was um unfortunately i mean it's it's unfortunate anytime it happens but uh, i mean it, it unfortunately it happened after we finished recording so it was just added in in post-production but as i said uh we'll get to that um a bit later on so we got other news to report, and the, I guess the first part of the news is um, is news about a rumor. So this isn't, you know, <laughs> it's so take it for what it is. It's just a rumor right now. There's uh, no confirmation, um, and that is that Tom Baker is reportedly going to be reprising his role in Doctor Who for the anniversary year now. We we've discussed this before. I mean, there's been speculation about how doctors you know past doctors past actors that play doctors could return to the series if at all possible we i think just in our recent um episode um 273 if i'm not mistaken we had feedback asking about that or or one of our recent shows and um we discussed it and how certain actors really don't really look the part anymore and uh but that doesn't mean i mean they could do anything as far i mean if if it is a if this rumor turn pans out you know, pans out to be true, then um, there's many different things they could do to uh, to to do it without 
maybe without even seeing him, you know, or it could be just of his voice or it could be um, if if the BBC does splurge as far as funding goes, maybe it could be something along the lines of Tron Legacy with um, some computer generated younger version of Tom Baker or unless they do what they did with Time Crash and which I hope they don't because – I don't think Tom Baker could pull it off. <laughs> yeah, it, it was that uh, photograph, that mass gathering of doctors, you know, a, a TARDIS full of doctors uh, that uh, I think uh, Ian was uh, going through them one by one and saying, mm-hmm. well, yeah, he could, he couldn't let his pants out, he might, you know, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. The, the, the thing for me that really kind of yeah, puts it firmly in the rumour uh, arena is 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 this particular sentence um possible storylines are being kept under wraps but he's likely to join forces with current time lord matt smith rumors indicate the half century landmark for the long-running show could also be 29 year old matt's last it's like yeah really they're just trying to cram all these all these rumors into into one one. sentence it's like (laughs) everything's being kept under wraps no really (laughs) I, i mean it was it was a reported uh, from a Doctor Who insider uh, on uh, in the Daily Express, so uh, we we don't really have to say spoiler warning because right now it's a rumor. If it does become true, then sorry, spoilers. <laughs> but it's not anything that hasn't been speculated to death anyway. Right. I mean, if this is something. And besides, you know, this time of the year it seems annual. Without um, you know, with every year um, it, at Come July, come this time of the year, there's always a rumor. It's for um, for a couple of years. It was that there was going to be an eleventh, doc, you know, the eleven doctors. Or I think it started with the. Te- it was going to before Matt Smith came on board. It was going to be a ten doctors special for children in need, and um, and and these rumors would come up around July, um, perhaps the end of June, and it would always, you know, come around this time of the year. And, you know, now it's this. So who knows? I, I mean, they're going to have to really stretch to get this in. I mean, the only way I can think of them doing it is uh, if the TARDIS is half buried in a swamp and a ghostly figure occurs in front of uh, the Doctor say, feel the force. Yeah, well, they, <laughs> you know? they could do something like that. Yeah, they, they could have the, the TARDIS do a holograph, you know, like they did with, um, you know, with the Ninth Doctor and more recently with... Um, with, um, uh, with um, Oh my yep. Yeah. Keep going. Karen Gillan's cousin, um, the, the Amelia Pond. Amelia, Amelia Pond. Or they could do uh, like they did for the children in need special and have those, you know, the the three D uh, disembodied uh, heads floating around. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I don't know. What I'm supposed to. Be. I think it's actually against uh, the, the law to actually bring that up, isn't it? <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I mean, yeah. when, the only the only time that this sort of thing has ever come up is uh, we, we've talked about some of the doc, the past actors who played the Doctor and said they might like to come back as a villain uh, rather than actually come back as a Doctor and have have their cameo appearance in that way. I'm not sure I, I like the whole idea. I think what the great idea, knowing Stephen Moffat, is more likely to you know have the the fifteenth incarnation of the Doctor appear, you know, <laughs> and warn his his past self of something that's happening. Right. I mean, there's there's always ways and means around it. I guess you could, uh, you know, the Doctor could get shunted into an alternate timeline uh, where 
he never regenerated, you know, and he stayed the fourth doctor forever. Ah. It's possible. It's been done I, before with the master, hasn't it? Yeah. Uh, I, 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 I'm just not a whole a big fan of the, the um, bringing other doctors back into it. I guess. Well, I don't mind when, when they did Time Crash. That was that was kind of cool, a little bite of of something. But I just don't want to see the whole show turn into the Five Doctors again. You know. Um, yeah, well, we have to, the the anniversary. It's not going to be a one anniversary special. To, to my understanding, it's going to be the whole year is going to be celebrating the anniversary. So this could just be a little nugget some in one episode somewhere. You know, within the the whole entire series. You know, I, well, I don't I I don't expect to see a multi doctor story. I, I I see what I see might be happening is like flashbacks or some just little instances throughout the series uh, throughout the the, the the year where th- there might be a reminder of the past. Right. Like a, well, uh, I, I think I mean one of the the numbers we haven't yet used is four. I mean, we've had the two Doctors, the three Doctors, the five Doctors. So they could have the four Doctors with the, you know, the eighth, ninth, tenth and eleventh. I mean, that 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 would probably work. But would yeah. but do you see Stephen Moffat doing such a thing? No. And, and if they did, there's no reason why they would have to do it for the 50th anniversary. It might make a great Christmas, Christmas special. Right. Yeah. I'd like to see them try and do something. I mean, we saw in a bit where um, where the Eleventh Doctor was trying to get Amy and Rory's attention, and he showed up in the, the Laurel and Hardy film. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to see, you know, like they did with Star Trek as well, where they were in a Laurel the Hardy film. Into, no, <laughs> they, they, they went back into Spock. the, the, the <laughs> Trouble with Tribbles episode. I'd like to see something like that go yeah. on, where mm-hmm. you know you see them, you know. But it would, well, that would take yeah, a that's work, a possibility so. where, and um, you know, where you it could be an instance so, uh, where you hear Tom Baker's yeah. voice doing doing some right. extra stuff, but you don't actually see him or whatever. Right. Or yeah. that's I think, interesting. I think somebody somebody did say that the only problem with that would be the kind of you know uh, the film. Yeah, but the film and stuff. Yeah, but, but uh, they can get it. Technically, they, they I mean, they would it would take a little money, but I think they could. You know, right. they could do something about that. Because right. they could have one where, they're, where they're, um, the two of them actually meet and, and you see the back of Tom Baker's head and you hear him say something. You know, they overdub it with his, you know, his voice now because he's down. He sounds the same. And uh, and you see, you know, Matt Smith, you know, the 11th Doctor, looking at him. You know, it's anything's possible. Yeah, it's, it'd be fun to see what they come up with. Hopefully we're not disappointed. And who's but, to say that it'll be limited to just Tom Baker? You know? Right. Well, there's other Tom Baker news, isn't there? Yes, there is. There is. Would you like me to read that out? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> More Tom Baker news. Big Finish have announced their a traditional Christmas special release for the regular Doctor Who subscribers. Night of the Stormcrow will feature Tom Baker and Louise Jameson as the Doctor and Leela. Fancy that. Now, is this the first? I know he has he had been doing other, um, you know, dramas with, um, I guess, BBC Audio. Now, is and there was news that he was going to, I know Big Finish had been trying to get him to come aboard right. to do some Big Finish audios. Is this, is this the debut of him on Big Finish? I don't think so. I think they've actually, 
They've had uh, they've actually had some already. Okay. Yeah, I'm not a. I hate to say. I mean, I'd, I'd love to listen to them. I just don't have the wherewithal at the moment to. Um, yeah. No, it's uh, understandable. There's only. I mean, there's so much. I mean, yeah, there's, so there's much so much Doctor Who material out there that it's it's impossible for you know. Well, I, I'm not going to say impossible. There's some fans that will <laughs> get to consuming all of them, but uh, which is fine, you know. But there are others that you know don't have that, that balance other things in life. Uh, the the interesting thing is, is having just mentioned Deep Space Nine, um, Chase Masterson's also going to be in it as Peggy Brooks, um, and it's written by Mark Platt. So uh, yeah, it uh, it's going to be uh, available to buy uh, in December. Very cool. Of course, um, it, you know, well, hang on, I'll read the full thing. Night of the Scarecrow will be free to all subscribers to the main Doctor Who range, whose subscription includes the December release. Um, a thousand and one nights. It may also be requested by uh, by twelve CD, uh, twelve release CD, or download uh, by main range subscribers as a free bonus story. It will be available to buy from uh, from December twenty thirteen. I'm assuming that means for regular people and who are not subscribers. Yeah, I, th- uh, I believe they're, they're really so. Planning ahead. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I believe they always offer. You can, uh, they offer their subscribers to uh, first, and then I think it's available later for, uh, for for the general public to purchase. Right. Yes, but uh, if you go to the uh, Doctor Who you site, there is actually a bit of a plot synopsis, and uh, yeah, uh, actually, uh, um, originally Louis Sanderson wasn't uh, going to be the Leela wasn't going to be the companion. It was actually going to be. Uh, Sarah Jane. Uh, when they planned to do all of this, and, uh, mm-hmm. and then they asked uh, Louise Jameson to join the gang. So, which probably isn't the first time that she's been given scripts that were originally intended for um, Sarah Jane Smith. Mm. We spoke about Star Trek, and we spoke about Tron, and um, the, what common denominator do those both have well <laughs> david warner has been in both of them and yeah. he's been in everything well <laughs> that doesn't say much because david warner's been in everything <laughs> he's uh yeah he's one of those actors that is very well um you know um seated in many things there are four lights <laughs> yes yes I forgot. I'd actually forgotten about that. Yeah, he was fantastic in that episode. Uh, Gal Madrid um, in Star Trek: Next Generation. Mm-hmm. Of course, he's been in Time Bandits, Tron, uh, The Lost World, Titanic, Planet of the Apes, uh, Star Trek: The Final Frontier, and The Undiscovered Trek, Country. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he's and of course he's also been in Doctor Who, kind yeah. of. Yeah. He played the voice of uh, Lord Aslock in the animated adventure Dreamland. He's an actor that definitely gets around. Oh, yes. Uh, And we should also mention that uh, there's another actor that will be in that, the Irish actor, uh, Liam Cunningham. Uh, People may have uh, seen Outcasts, the... uh, Rather disappointing sci-fi. Although I'm not sure if it was... Well, it was was actually just getting good, Outcasts, when... um, but it was too late by then. They 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 made some, you know, 
pretty poor flaws. But it was a pity because uh, uh, the the actor Liam Cunningham, who who played the leader of the base, very fine actor, and he will also be in this. Yeah, he was he was one of the, the wonderful things about that show. But uh, we, we failed to say, to we spoke about David Warner and he's been in everything, but we failed to say that I, at least I think we failed to say that that he's going to be starring once again um, in Doctor Who with a in a story written by Mark Gaddis, uh, which will be shown early next year, and this is uh, reported in Doctor Who magazine. Did you mention Dreamland as well, Larry? In before yes, yes I did. Yeah, um, of something did. Of, of interest to uh, David and I. Uh, is uh, uh, an upcoming writer for Doctor Who, uh, Neil Cross, who is uh, the writer and creator of uh, Luther. Ah, brilliant. Which is a detective show that um, David and I really, really like. And you'll like too. You will like it. (laughs) (laughs) I am the master and you will like it. Uh, And there's also, we've also got... uh, June Ray Scott coming in, and uh, he's a brilliant actor. I've seen him uh, in lots of stuff. I think the um, the the one of the fairly recent adaptions of Dare the Triffids. He was the, uh, the he played the main character in that. So he's a, a fabulous actor as well. Oh, and um, I suppose while we're on, <laughs> this is this is turned out to be <laughs> casting news. Uh, <laughs> Diana Riggs going to be in Doctor Who alongside her daughter. Very cool. Yes. I love Diana Riggs. Well, for those that, that may not be familiar with her, she was the the co-star in the Avengers, the TV series. I think that's probably what she's uh, mostly known for. Emma Peel. Emma yes. Peel, along with um, Patrick McNee. Yeah. Yes, but uh, the... the, the um... They're they're in a uh, and that's it's Dame uh, Diana Rigg now. She's yes, uh, she's Dame been damed. Yes, it's <laughs> <laughs> <Sounds> painful. <laughs> um, uh, Diana commented uh, the this is the first time uh, Rachel and I will be working together on an episode, and this is on, it's on the episode of Doctor Who, especially written for us by Mark Gaddis. So another Mark Gaddis script. Yes, I would, well, unless this is the same one that, that David Warner is going to be in. Yeah. Uh, I just realised uh, that uh, the daughter had been in that uh, series, Tipping the Velvet, which um, our younger listeners will probably not be aware of. But uh, uh, it's um, that was a, a pretty good uh, series. I, I didn't recognise her from that name. So I, I see in our notes we put spoiler warning for this. It, it, is there anything spoilery about just announcing that she will be guest Well, just in, interesting ca- in casting, I think. Okay. Uh, we haven't discussed any, any anything apart from who's writing it and the fact that they're going to be in it together. Um, and, plus, it, it's in the Doctor Who news page. Yes. Okay. It's not like we're t- talking about what characters are playing or, or anything. So, hey. Okay. We'll right. get we'll get letters, I'm sure though. <laughs> <laughs> There'll be letters. There'll be letters. Let's hope. <laughs> we like to hear your feedback. Yes, it's always good when there's letters. <laughs> We've got letters. Right, what's next? Next is um Are You Experienced? Uh, the Doctor Who Experiencing. <laughs> I beg your pardon. <laughs> We're not going there again, are we? <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking Jimi Hendrix, but uh oh. sure. <laughs> 
<laughs> I wasn't. <laughs> the Doctor Who experience in Cardiff opens on the 20th of July, which, as we record this, is uh, about a couple of weeks away. So um, step through a crack in time and help the Doctor on with a sonic screwdriver to escape his foes, fly the TARDIS, and come face-to-face with some of the scariest monsters seen on screen. Yes, and I'm afraid, uh, I hate to say, because I'm an absolutely great fan of the BBC and all that they do, but if if people can cast their mind back somewhat, uh, when the first official Doctor Who uh, sort of event happened, um, you know... um, the, there was some uh, issue about the pricing. I think it was, was it £99 for the one-day uh, conference mm. thing? Uh, just looking here at the ticket prices, not exactly uh, cheap. that cheap. Well, um, it depends on whether you order them in advance on the door. Uh, uh, one adult is £15, which is, what, uh, 22 uh, $25. Five dollars, maybe. But if you want to go for packages, family, two adults, two children, eighty pounds. That's getting on for a hundred and twenty-five dollars uh, for tickets and exclusive Doctor Who experience T-shirt no, yeah. and so on. Well, there's, there's a family one of, of just forty-six pounds, um, but then yeah, there's there's the package deals of yeah, you know, which I mean. I guess for for the UK, that's probably an expensive thing, but um, especially living in Florida, that's peanuts. Well, it's not it's not Disney World, is it? <laughs> no, it's not. I mean, you'd you probably probably if I were to take my family to Disneyland, it would probably be two to three hundred dollars, if not more, for a day. Right. And that so this is this is great. I mean, and I'd. I'd <laughs> Especially to go see the Doctor Who experience. <laughs> well, here's what you do. You pack your family, your friends, your co-workers, their family and friends, everyone in a TARDIS, and you just materialize behind the gates, and then you're in. Yeah. In uh, like yeah. Flynn. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not actually, before anybody rings in and complains, I'm not saying they're dear. I'm saying, you know, it's a business. Uh, and so I suppose the, they're, they're actually fair prices when I do look at... The thing is, of course, how... I mean, how many people actually go on their own? So as a family outing, you, you're going to stump up 100 quid by the time you've eaten your lunches and petrol and what have you. But I suppose, having said that, I'm probably a guy that doesn't get out enough and <laughs> probably that's the sort of fees that you pay for any event nowadays. Yeah. Um, on the... Uh... 21st of June, they actually had an escape. Um, a whole bunch of monsters escaped from the Doctor Who experience. Oh, no. Uh, yeah, they, uh, five monsters actually escaped from the Doctor Who experience in a dramatic breakout. Um, I guess at 8, 8 o'clock in the morning, there was a loud explosion. And uh, a Cyberman, an Ood, a Silence, and a Scarecrow were caught on camera fleeing the building. Um, <laughs> so actually, they, they did have the, This the, is hard news, ladies and gentlemen. Hard news. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they, they they did. It was a bit of a uh, a neat thing that they did, uh, basically advertising that they were there. You know, um, getting ready for the launch. Um, so it was kind of a neat neat little advertising gimmick. I think that that the you know, monsters escaped from the, from the experience. It's quite cute. Yeah, they didn't bother to tell the police, and then a whole bunch of bobbies went down and <laughs> arrested them. <laughs> <laughs> 
But oh, I'd love to go there, oh, man. I, I mean, I know a lot of people have have, have gone, and it's just to just to see that kind of stuff would just be rather lovely. Yes, I remember, yeah. I remember going to the uh, Star Trek uh, experience at uh, in Las Vegas. Yeah, I, I I attended that as well, and that was great. I went there. My wife took me there for our anniversary, and the Sunday before we were due to leave. Um, she went down to the pool and she said, uh, well, do you want to go through that? You know, cause we bought a, a weekend ticket or whatever. Mm-hmm. She said, do you want to go back through the thing? And I'm like, sure. I went back through the experience like five times. <laughs> I just got out, I got out the bottom because you, know, you went through this whole thing and you did this, you know, you got to be on the bridge of the enterprise. That is so wonderful. And you, and I was so annoyed because you weren't allowed to take photos and I so wanted to take a photo, you know, being a photographer and here you are standing on the bridge of the next generation enterprise and it's incredible experience. And, um, and what's, you know, and I was, I mean, it wasn't planned this way, but it happened to be that I was there for two weeks prior for, to it being closed. So what harm could it be? Could I do by taking pictures of it? It's going to be closing in two weeks. So, I mean, it's not like, what, what could I do with those pictures? Right. Uh, oh, I've just read some breaking news. Um, apparently, a nice warrior is halfway to the gate. <laughs> <laughs> and for you new fans, <laughs> I have no clue what they th- who think Dave might be <laughs> having a little uh, health condition right now. That's, that's how the ice warriors speak. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> The poor guy's out of breath. Well, maybe we should call K9 to chase him down. <laughs> Segway. Yes. Yeah. No, he's not a Segway. He's K9. It's going to be made into a Segway. Yes. Um, just actually today, it's. I mean, we had talked prior to this when we had uh, reviewed uh, K9 and Company uh, that um, the TV series was. Uh, headed to the U.S., and we had assumed that, uh, and I'll, I'll blame this on Lewis. Oh, Lewis blame it assumed, on me. Lewis assumed that it would be on uh, one of the Disney channels. Well, that's what it had been on. Well, they, they yeah, on uh, over in the U.K., I think, um, some of the other channels, it was a Disney-based channel that is behind it, I believe, too. But that's not to be the case in the United States. Apparently, it is going to be launched on Sci-Fi Kids. Now, I'm not entirely sure exactly what Sci-Fi Kids is going to be, whether it's going to be a separate channel or whether it's going to be a, a section of... Um, like a time slot within on the, on the, yeah, on the CV yeah. channel. Like with uh, Cartoon Network, how you have uh, Adult Swim and uh, TV Land, where you have... Uh, Nick at Night on Nickelodeon. Yeah, it's Nick, Nick at Night, yeah. And, uh, so I'm not sure how it's going to divide up. The the planning for Sci-Fi Kids has been in the, in the pipeline for, for uh, quite a while. Um, but I guess they've uh, teamed up with um, some of the people behind uh, SpongeBob SquarePants and Blue's Clues. And they've got a show called, and I kid you not, it's called Dr. Watt. <laughs> but I have looked at the premise. It's about an inventor. Um, An inventor who has a time machine. It's no time <laughs> um, It's a, a thrill-seeking inventor, inventor um, whose risky experiments take an unexpected turn. When they turn, when it, 
it turns an ordinary object into a police telephone box and shunts them through time. Uh, no, I just made up that last bit. Um, but yeah, there's uh, a bunch of stuff that's apparently going to be on this new channel. Uh, but like I said, it's been it's been uh, in the pipeline for a while. But according to the Facebook page for uh, the K9 TV series, uh, it's launching uh, fall of this year. Uh, the TV show is on Sci-Fi Kids, so I'm assuming that will be coming soon. I don't get Sci-Fi anymore. I no, get- no, do I? <laughs> I have a Roku. <laughs> <laughs> but- Program achievable, master. Yes. Thank you, Kayla. <laughs> but yeah, they're going to have a lot of different animation stuff on there. Uh, the Blob, uh, which is, a, I guess, a character from uh, from the, the Wii. Um, and all sorts of things. I'm hoping that, uh, that they'll have uh, Sarah Jane Adventures on there because I think, I, I believe I mentioned this like, either one or two shows ago. So either they've been listening to me or it's just sheer coincidence. I'm going with the first. That... Uh, I suggested that they have a block on the Sci-Fi Channel of kids programming, so they could, you know, get kids into uh, into Sci-Fi. And here we and go. And they've heard you, and now they responded. Exactly. Yeah I, yeah, I don't know whether it's already been used, but the, the in Canada, of course, it's on BBC Kids K9, and it, that starts in September 2012. Right. Well, you mentioned the Sarah Jane Adventures. Now, to my understanding, that hasn't. Uh, except for the first, I think, couple series. The, no, the first series only, I think. Oh, I, I don't I could be. I thought it was the first couple. But whatever, all right. not all of them have um, been shown in the States. So no. it would be good to have those finally been shown in in the U.S. And uh, I know um, on iTunes they only showed what had been shown on, um, I think, the Sci-Fi channel at the time. Right. So, Looking at uh, the show listings on uh – on Sci-Fi Channel, it's not listed at all. Doctor Who is still listed on there, um, but I do not see a listing for Sarah Jane anymore. So, whether they're sh- they're shunting that over to, it really, really should be on on the uh, Sci-Fi Kids. I mean, so uh, I, I know the execs from the Sci-Fi Channel listen to Doctor Who Podchuck. So, I'm telling yeah. you guys now, you got to get Sarah Jane on there. <laughs> They they listen to us because they know we have wrestling content and yes. <laughs> All right, time to All right. Next, next. we're going to be ghost hunting in our next segment. <laughs> See, you just ruined my segue. <laughs> so, uh, what's this? Uh, Matt Smith's been named National Youth Theater Patron. That's right. Yeah, um, this is. Um, Doctor Who star Matt Smith, named as the latest patron of the National Youth Theatre. He trained with the theatre as a teenager, I suppose, so that's why he was uh, uh, asked. And, um, yeah, Smith said, the theatre completely transformed my life. No understatement. I'm proud to be part of it still, and I care very deeply about it. So what does that mean exactly as a patron? Does he does now does he kind of promote the national um youth theater and you know, now that he's a recognizable name? Well I think yeah, basically they give him the title of patron and then he has to go out and canvas for them and be and a if he doesn't they take uh, the crown uh, away from him. A sort of ambassador for him. <laughs> they take the tiara away. <laughs> I, I, Tiara and a torch now, because he's doing the Olympics thing. So what is he going for, a statue of liberty? 
<laughs> Sorry. Well, it, on this article that I'm looking at, he he's uh, there's a picture of him in a National uh, Youth Theater um, production of Murder at the Cathedral, and he's looks like he's a well, he looks like a pope there. He's a, he has one of those staffs, and um, he's not too far from the, the image you just painted. Rod of Rassilon. Yes, the staff of Rassilon. No rod. Oh, sorry. Rod. <laughs> it's a whole other story. Oh. <laughs> now, now. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's actually going to be appearing. Uh, I can't remember if it's actually here, but he's in this uh, Burton Dickey um, about um, the, you know when they the, you know it's all about Olympic fever here in the UK at the moment with us hosting the the um, Olympics. But of course, just after the war, we hosted the Olympics. Then, and uh, Burton Dickey is about uh, two oarsmen and uh, their story, mm-hmm. and uh, he, he's playing uh, one of them. They, they completed in the 1948 Summer Olympics. So, um, so uh, in 1948, he won. I'll give you. I'll tell you what happened. It's a bit of a spoiler. He won the gold medal with his partner Dickie Burnell. And, and the thing was, of course, the the character that Matt Smith plays is is trained as a single. Uh, oarsman and um, uh, he doesn't get selected or something but he, he the, the, some chap comes along and says that uh, he's going to actually put uh, the best rows together and he puts them in the double skulls and this is sort of one of these sort of uh, it's it's a sort of fictionalised but dramatised real life story and um, I'm not sure when that's airing I've seen trailers about it here on the BBC in the UK but I don't think it's yet aired. So, I mean, this is one of the great things about, um, I mean, like the new um, the new Doctor Who companion that will be joining us. It's nice to actually see them, although, although Ian will give his take on this in a moment. Um, the, the the young girl was on, um, you know, the story about the Titanic. Yeah, I think Ian's feeling about that is he, you don't want to see her in another role, do you? You want to see her. I want, to, I want to see her in that first. And I was saying yeah. with Matt Smith. When I found mm-hmm. out about Matt being the doctor, people were like, oh, you should see him in this. You should see him in that. And I didn't want to because I just wanted to see him as a doctor first. It's like I can see them in other things later. A- afterwards. I, I did the yeah. same thing with Christopher Eccleston. I did the same thing. But the Matt's, the only thing I saw ahead of time at Matt Smith was clips of something else that he was in. But I didn't see the actual whole – I didn't see like the whole movie. He was he – was, he was, I don't know. I don't remember what movie it was, but he wasn't. A really a nice guy in it so <laughs> but uh you know but speaking of sports and matt smith um this isn't the olympics but he was interviewed at wimbledon which is the tennis right that's tennis oh yeah he's a he's a great fan of tennis he, i'm surprised he, he, he you didn't just hit lewis there <laughs> wimbledon, that's tennis right <laughs> <laughs> i'm sports illiterate <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I, 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 it's not really a piece of news. It's just a little thing while we're talking about Smith. The fact that, uh, you know, you tend to think that, you know, I mean, uh, talking about when he, he he carried the torch just recently in real life, he, he was not at pains to make the point, but he, he, he wanted people to know he was carrying the Olympic torch as Matt Smith, the actor, not Doctor Who. You know, he actually has a, he's a real person, you know, and he, Real life. And this was one of his interests, yeah. Uh, if, if anybody's interested, uh, if they go to twitpick.com forward slash uh, A5 
CX64. You'll see a little picture of him there being interviewed just before the big uh, uh, final of the the men's uh, single-handed uh, tennis championship. Yeah, and if you're listening to the Hans podcast, it will be in the Hans podcast and the artwork for this um, section of the podcast, and I'll try to embed it into the show notes as well. Looking quite cool in shades. Although I must admit, when um, uh, when I was talking about this little uh, thing about the Olympics that he's in, he does do, um, you know, the 40s look very, very, very well indeed. Um, I mean, he has been in quite a few little dramatic, uh, you know, character pieces of work. And... Um, if you saw him, no, you were. If you saw him in uh, Christopher and his kind when he played Christopher Isherwood, you know, he does these period dramas very well indeed. Mm. Well, if you're watching uh, Wimbledon or the Olympics and you're unfortunate you can't be there in person, most likely you'll be watching it on television. And if you're watching on television, what better way to control your experience than with a universal remote control that looks like a Sonic screwdriver, <laughs> though it will probably be too late before the Olympics, since it's. Um, I think this is um, going to be available to purchase to be purchased in the UK on the thirty first of August. So I believe that will be after the Olympics are over. But you can be watching. Well, hey, hey, if you're a time traveler, you could. It doesn't matter. But it looks very awesome, and I don't know whether or not it's going to be um, available. Oh, hold on. I'm just reading it right now. Yes, it, it will, will be, be available in the U.S. via BBC America and Think Geek in September. I love Think Geek. Yes. Yeah, I mean, the inspiration for this must have been the, uh, from, if you remember Harry Potter, with the, um, they brought out a, a wand remote control where you could wave your wand at the TV <laughs> uh, and you could uh, control your TV with that. So it's an obvious extension of that. Right, it'll and uh, this will will feature um, similar um, features, <laughs> uh, where the certain motions that you do, you slide it to one side, it'll do one thing, or slide to the other side, it'll do another. Um, so, I mean, I'd like to have one, but my 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 two year old likes to <laughs> grab the, the 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 remotes as it is, and you know. Like throw them on the ground, and I'm like, ah. Because I'm looking at it, and I don't see any buttons on it. So it it it's motion. It's it's controlled via motion, or are there extra buttons that are sort of hidden? I'm guessing there'd be there'd be some buttons on there that uh... maybe like a Wii controller or something. Mm. That's what I'm thinking. That there must be um, if it's it's gestures, thirteen short gestures such as rotating, flicking, tapping, um, that type of thing. So. I've had uh, in the past. I've had universal remote controls that were uh, one was a lightsaber and one was a um, Star Trek Next Generation phaser, uh, but they don't last. Not that I mean, when I say they don't last long, that not that they physically break, but um, you know you, you have to have the remote codes, and if you once you change your equipment and all that, it's you, you wind up using the remotes, the other remotes any, that the, <laughs> that the equipment comes with. But yeah, it's cool. Um, if you want to take check it out, um, one site that uh, that got it for pre-order right now is uh, Firebox.com, which is a UK company. Um, it's currently listed uh, for ninety-three dollars. I think it's they got listed wow. in the ninety-three dollars and nine cents. Yeah. 
I don't free, think I'll be getting free it. Free UK delivery. <laughs> wow, that's cool. That's worth getting. <laughs> but uh, they're expected to be uh, available in four to eight weeks. It's available for pre-order. Uh, they say, you know, just things like you can swipe the screwdriver left to right or tap various points of the screwdriver to do yeah. uh, various controls or rotate it clockwise or anti-clockwise. It does come with a warning, though. It says, whatever you do, don't press the red button, the red setting, because a woman's face comes on your TV and goes, hungry, hungry. Firebox have some fun with it, though, and their info, it says, styled on the song screwdriver screwdriver used by the 11th Doctor, has limited functionality as a alien life form tracking device or as a lockpick. Will not work on wooden machines, uh, deadlock seals, or in the presence of some hair dryers. Yeah, see, that's the deal breaker there. For that much money, it needs to actually screw, screw screws, at least. <laughs> the, the neat thing about it, and, and reading the product features, is that, uh, of course, there's the, the gesture recognition technology. Um, there's three banks of, of 13 ge- gestures, and it's a universal remote, so I'm assuming there's some amount of programming that's available that you can, you know, to make it work your TV and your DVD player. Um, it's die-cast construction, copper-plated, and it's got a soft-touch grip. So but it's, 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 it's pretty hefty. Yeah. It's uh, 450 grams. Right. So it's, you know, it sounds like it's, 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 it's relatively solid. Um, control any infrared device, including iPod docks, uh, TVs, and Blu-ray players. So... It'd be fun, I guess. If once it comes down in price for me, at least, I know some people do probably snap it up right away. And uh, yeah, um, if if you happen to be of the giving kind and you're looking for a uh, a, a gift for myself, Lewis or Dave for <laughs> say Christmas or birthdays, um, yeah, that website again is Firebox dot uh, com, or you can get it at ThinkGeek dot com and um, just email us and we'll give you ad- addresses. <laughs> Very good. See what I did for you there? And that's why we have you on the show. Exactly. I don't mind. I don't mind. I still have my uh, Ninth Doctor toy uh, sonic screwdriver, plastic, made out of all solid plastic. And it still works. Those batteries, uh, those, uh, what are those PR13 batteries still, still work after all these years. So, no, uh, no comments. No. I don't know yeah. about how, the, how, how you go about programming one of these things, but it looks like it's got a rather uh, uh, a large instruction manual. Well, uh, since, since it, it does do infrared, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, but uh, what I'm what I'm guessing is that it also what you're not seeing in the picture is probably a little base station that you a little like remote thing that you put somewhere in the room that actually shoots infrared signals to the device like, to, yeah, to control it. Seems, it. Yeah. Right. There is a, a, a station. This it's good. I guess it, the whole thing comes with a display case and a stand that sits on. So mm-hmm. I'm guessing that the stand that it's sitting on has you know some of the controls in it, etc. Yeah. Uh, I've got a remote that um, you can actually just plug into your USB port on your computer and, and program uh, it that way, which is great. Um, so, uh, I mean. It's, it sounds like a decent, a decent product, and it's not plastic and and uh, something that might just you know break easily. It sounds like they put some some uh, work into it, which is nice to see. And it runs on uh, two AAA batteries, so you don't have the problem of having those little button batteries that you get. 
yeah. slide in there. Mm-hmm. All right, very good. Uh, who's doing the next segue? <laughs> well, you're controlling your TV. You might actually be watching David Tennant. Or have I got the wrong okay. segment? No, I thought I thought the natural segue would be to the TV Choice Awards, but <laughs> oh, well, but there you go. Let's <laughs> do that. <laughs> oh, I don't know how to follow the order of show notes. <laughs> it's okay. It's all good. Time is all relative, you know. Yeah, Dave's just a couple of uh, moments ahead of I'm us. Dave's here. ahead of us, you know. I'm only here to please Tim Jury get something wrong. <laughs> He'll uh, be the one to let you know about it as well. <laughs> on your bike. <laughs> go on, somebody else go. Uh, the short list for this year's TV Choice Awards has been announced with Doctor Who making it into the final cut well, no. in three categories um, uh, for which it had been uh, originally nominated. So uh, Matt Smith goes head-to-head with Martin Clunes, Benedict Cumberbatch, and uh, Colin Morgan for Best Actor. A category that uh, also included uh, Matt Dogstar Johnson and Mark Warren. Qualifying round, while Karen Gillan will be pitted against Miranda Hart, uh, uh, Jay Jacobs, and uh, Freya Maver for Best Actress, with Freema Edgerman, star of Law & Order UK, falling by the wayside following the first round of voting. Torchwood Miracle Day has also been uh, nominated uh, for Best Drama Series in the opening round, but failed to get any further. Although Sherlock, uh, co-created by Stephen Moffat and Mark Gaddis, is a contender. Uh, and the show's also up for Best Family Drama Against Glee, Merlin, and Waterloo Road. The Sarah Jane Adventures had been included in the initial round, but uh, didn't get enough votes to make the shortlist. So yeah, uh, Doctor Who getting in there, and uh, we'll have to see... Uh, I guess the voting in the shortlist categories is open until uh, midnight on Friday the 13th of July. Ooh, spooky. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, the winners will be announced at the ceremony uh, at the Dorchester in London on Monday the 10th of September. So stay tuned for the results. And you can also go to uh, uh, the TV Choice Awards uh, website and... uh, which is uh, tvchoicemagazine.co.uk um, and you'll see the link for the TV Choice Awards there. I believe last year I voted in them, so uh, yeah. it's open to, I think, just about everybody. Well, that's it. it. It is the voting by the people who actually watch the programme, so you could say it's actually a, a much truer representation of uh, what the general audience, the uh, great unwashed, <laughs> actually watch. Speak for yourself. I had a shower yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, yeah, talking about uh, uh, Doctor Who actors doing stuff, Dave, I believe you have (laughs) uh, David Tennant. Oh, no, no, I've lost that now. (laughs) (laughs) David Tennant's doing something, but Dave just don't care. Yeah, yeah, David Tennant's to star in an ITV drama, Broadchurch. Um... Uh, and by the way, uh, yeah, well, I will, uh, let me read. Uh, Eight-part series has been penned by Doctor Who and Torchwood writer Chris Chibnall. Tennant uh, leads an ensemble cast 
featuring uh, uh, Rev star uh, Olivia Coleman and Will Meller, Arthur Darville, who plays the current Doctor Who Matt Smith's psychic Rory, will appear as the town priest. Wow, yeah. Do admit that right now. Um, who was actually in Eleventh Hour? Um, if anybody remembers the uh, the woman with the two children in the hospital scene towards the end, mm-hmm. the alien, that's Olivia Coleman. Yeah, the prisoner zero occupied. Yes, or took the form of. Yes. She's also uh, a regular with uh, uh, on uh, Peep Show and. Uh, the other series that uh, those two comedians do. Anyway, I'm sidetracking Dave. Dave, continue. Well, well no, it's just reminded me, uh, completely unrelated to what we're talking about, which is not unusual for me, uh, just to mention that uh, currently on BBC, um, uh, Christopher Eccleston, another ex-doctor, is uh, starring in a series called Blackout, which uh, I only just remembered as uh, uh, we came to this uh, part. He's... Uh, Playing a, a man, obviously, has a blackout. And uh, it's. I'm trying to see how many episodes there are in it. So there you are, taking you completely out. Three three episodes of the series. Um, oh, and look who else is actually in it. Uh, I can't pronounce her name. It's Derville Curran, uh, the lady who was in um, the episode with the Cyber King and the... Cybermen, mm-hmm. the lady in the red dress, the Irish actress. Yes. Um. D- Dival Kiran or something. I can never pronounce her name. <laughs> oh, Dave. Oh, Dave. Um, yeah, I don't have it in front of me, so I, I can't help you. Yes, you can. Even if I did have it in front of me, I still wouldn't be able to pronounce it, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> Or maybe we'll just let him wallow in this. Uh... Yeah, 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 why not? Why not? The, the, the connection was, obviously, that uh, we think, and many people think that once... I mean, do you remember all the David Tennant fans, you know, uh, oh, woe is me when David left. I mean, I don't want to go. Uh, and we were all upset. But these people are basically, have to break your bubble on this one, are jobbing actors, and, and they do go on to do other great things. So... Um, that that was what had uh, made the link in my rather uh, messed up brain. Addled. Addled, yep. All right, uh, best way to bring this to a close, news-wise anyway, is, of course, this weekend, big things are happening. Comic-Con! Yeah. Uh, the 12th. And uh, if you're looking for uh, Doctor yeah. Who information in particular, especially if you're in the U.S., uh, head over to bbcamerica.com uh, slash Comic-Con. Uh, they've got, uh, at the moment, they're carrying a lot of stuff uh, from last year, uh, some videos and photos from the, the convention. And uh, and I believe they've been, they've been pretty good about, about picking up any news there. I don't know whether they've got anything going on there themselves. Uh, well, they have a Doctor Who panel, and which is on Sunday, July fifteenth. Now, I don't know when this episode of Doctor Who Project is going to get out, if it's going to get out in time. But at twelve thirty to one thirty p.m., featuring Matt Smith, Karen Gillan, and Arthur Darville, um, 
is uh, they're planning on, on you know having a panel with them along with uh, Stephen Moffat and Caroline Skinner okay. and uh, and Chris Hardwick is going to moderate it. Nerdist. <laughs> The nerdists back again, yes. yes. So um, now, is it just me, or isn't I had thought com, I thought San Diego Comic Con was usually at the end of July. So this sort of took me. I mean, I knew it was coming, but it sort of took me by surprise that it's it's here already. You know, and I really I was expecting it, and it, I wasn't really not that I was you know going, but it just it kind of took me by surprise. It's already here already. I know it's one of those things. I like, really. Yeah. At time again, I mean, we've we've already had um, E3, you know, and now it's Comic Con time, and it's like, wow. Well, think, think, think of Galley. We're halfway between last year's Galley and next year's Galley. It's gone so quick. But I think this is a couple of weeks ahead of time, if I'm not mistaken. I, I, I could be wrong, but I, I thought Comic Con and San Diego Comic Con was at the end of July, but I could be mistaken. I mean, I. I mean, I don't know what you, how you guys covered it last time, but uh, it's fantastic, really. I guess that the Doctor Who is there for uh, what is this the second or third year running? That, 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 yeah. Uh, that well, in the past, we had Tower. T- uh, you know, Tower um, was uh, our, our correspondent there. Tara. Yeah, not not Taras, but Tara. And. Yes. Uh, I don't know whether or not she's going this year or not. I, I, I'm suspecting she's not, but I don't know for sure. Well, I'm, I'm looking here at the the, the link to the uh, 2011, uh, and, uh, and posts were made on that on July 21st. So uh, it must have been around that time last year. Right. It doesn't show the dates, but um, it shows Matt Smith on a the panel there. And that's dated 21st of July, 2011. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe it's just a week earlier or whatever. It just seems, I don't know, I, I was just kind of taken back that it's like, why is everyone talking about Com- San Diego Comic-Con so early? And I didn't realize it was this week until um, until this week. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, like I said, it's fantastic that uh, Doctor Who is going to be there and it's, it's such a big presence now. And... Uh, all we need to do really is look at the uh, BBC America page and see uh, the photos they have on there of cosplayers and and the panels and and the people at the panels to know that uh, yeah, Doc who has definitely landed in America. Yay! Well, being a New York resident, I do hope that <laughs> they show some sort of uh, turnout at uh, New York Comic Con. But it's uh, so far they really haven't. San Diego is still bigger, even though. New York is uh is catching up as far as size goes, you know, as far as crowds and audience goes. It's um it's the same ilk really. I mean, they're two different um organizers, two different convention organizers, not uh even though they're similar names, but um, I wonder if they will have any showings in uh in uh, New York this year. Well, that's, that's what I'm getting at. Is in, it's in October, so it's by that time I'm guessing we're already the, the new series would have started already. Right. Well, I just know that uh, that uh, BBC America did uh, a couple of showings up in your neck of the woods. Uh, oh yeah, they they did um, when the series began in spring. They um, and, and you know they were here in April of the last couple of years. They were here this April, not for a showing, but for shooting. You know, location wise, they were here shooting. So, um, but yeah, in the in 2010 and 2011, they did 
uh, special showings here in New York City in April, right before the launch of the new series. Right. So, yeah, be interesting if they have uh, more of those. But, of course, if they do, they'll be here on Dr. Who Podjock News. Yes. Yes. Once again, I have to break in onto our recorded discussion here and our recorded news discussion. But breaking news, unfortunate breaking news, that is. It seems like just last month I was doing the same thing for the passing of Caroline John. And now as I'm editing this episode, more bad news. Another great loss to the Doctor Who community. Mary Tam has passed away. Mary Tam, who played Romana, the first Romana from 1978 to 1979 during the Key to Time series, has passed away. She died at the age of 62, and she had lost a battle with cancer that she's been fighting for 18 months. So this really took everyone by surprise. She leaves behind her husband, Marcus Ringrose, daughter Lauren, and grandson Max. And uh, it's with great sadness that... Report on another great loss. Now, she was, as I said, she played Romana. This is, uh, she was a companion to the fourth Doctor, Tom Baker, during the years 1978 and 1979, during that series, um, the Key to Time series. Uh, the first time that the Doctor had a Time Lord, or a Time Lady, I should say, as a companion. So it's uh, a bit of history there. She was a delightful person herself. In fact, she was one of the first people uh, connected directly to the series that I met back in the early 80s and in those early days. Obviously, this was unexpected news. Um, as I said, she was only 62 years old. And um, outside of Doctor Who, she's uh, worked in theater. She worked alongside with Derek Jacoby. She's, uh, she's done film roles, The Odyssea File, uh, she's done, you know, more than just Doctor Who. But, you know, for Doctor Who fans, we always know her and remember her as Romana, the first Romana. And, um, you know, I I really wish... <laughs> I mean, I really wish I didn't have to break in with this, uh, obviously. Um, it's just... Uh, I, I'm still kind of, you know, getting over and wrapping my head over the loss of Caroline John last month. And I had to do the same thing there where we had to kind of break in on because it happened during the uh, editing and post-production of a Doctor Who Pachak episode. So once again, um, doing it again and uh, too soon doing this again. The past uh, year, year and a half, we lost too many people. Too many. I mean, we we're constantly losing people in Doctor Who. I mean, that's just the fact of the matter being that the series is now close to 50 years old. But... It just seems that over the past year, year and a half, there's been a lot of unexpected, I mean, you know, deaths, you know, with Elizabeth Sladen, Caroline John, um, now Mary Tam have all, you know, taken me by shock when they, when they passed. So anyway, so we'll have more in our next episode and upcoming episodes of Talk to You Podshock about Mary Tam. Um, you know, we'll, we'll discuss more about her and her character and, um, in upcoming, but we had to, obviously I had to break in and with this sad news. So I'll return you back to Ian, Dave, and myself recorded earlier in this month. And I do apologize. This episode has been delayed, 
it seems to it seems to be constantly being uh, delayed, and and the Mary Tam news uh, has since delayed it uh, at least another day. So um, so yeah, so apologies for this episode being late, and um, and once again our great sorrow for the loss of Mary Tam. Our thoughts are with her family and everyone that she has touched. That's All right. the end of the news. That, once again, our, our 15 to 10 minute, uh, 10 minute to 15 minute segment of news is uh, an hour and <laughs> about an hour long. We had a lot of news to cover. It was just, uh, just so everybody knows. I mean, I gave you guys a, a kind of sneak peek at uh, how we do things here. Um, this time in the show notes, we actually have, uh, well, in our show rundown for show notes. Uh, Show notes. show notes. Show notes. That's what that's what you guys see after. Show notes is uh, <laughs> the way I refer to them is what we're going off of to run the show. And uh, Lewis quite kindly put in fifty minutes as a as an estimate for news and uh, revised for Ian next to it. <laughs> <laughs> and I think we went over that. Hey, <laughs> more is better, right? Yeah. Well. <laughs> So we'll be right back with our feedback. Well, your feedback, but I'll take on your feedback, if that makes any sense. Hello, I'm Elizabeth Slayton, and you're listening to Doctor Who Pod Show. Well, in light of the passing, the unfortunate passing of Mary Tam, we're changing our recommendation, our audible selection, for this episode of Dr. Pachak, I'm, so, I'm sure Dave and Ian won't mind that I do so. So, uh, as you know, Audible is the premier provider of digital audiobooks. They have over 85,000 titles to choose from. And in fact, I, I think they're up to 100,000 titles now. They have titles that cover all various genres, including thrillers, romance, business, comedy, and of course, science fiction. And their titles will play on your iPhone, your Kindle, Androids, over 500 devices for listening anytime and anywhere. And for you, listeners of Doctor Who Podshock, and you, if you're hearing me, you are a listener of Doctor Who Podshock, Audible is offering a free, yes, a free audio book download when, with a free 30-day uh, trial when you give them a chance uh, to check out their service. Now, to download your free trial, simply go to, to download your free trial. To download your free audiobook, simply go to audibletrial.com slash podchock. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash podchock for your free audiobook. And as I said, we're changing the selection that we originally had planned for this episode, and we're going with something that's um that's directly related to Mary Tam, and that's a book, an audio book called First Generation, the Autobiography of Mary Tam by Mary Tam and read to you by Mary Tam. It's three hours and 18 minutes. It's a couple of years. Um, it was released a couple of years ago, and it covers, as the title implies, it covers um, the it's a, a autobiography of Mary Tam. So, um, let's hear some of that right now. Now, this is uh, about a five-minute clip here. This is a little longer than what we normally play on Dr. Dupachuk, but I think you would appreciate it, um, especially in the light of um, of the unfortunate news. Um, once again, uh, Mary Tam played Romana, the first 
Ramana, the Time Lady Ramana, um, against, um, well, not against, but, you know, opposite of Tom Baker's Doctor, the fourth Doctor. In 1978, she came on the series. So she was in um, that series, the the Key to Time series, and she's done other work as well. Um, the Odyssey File, uh, Coronation Street, um, various other projects, the Tales That Witness Madness. So um, uh, this, uh, again, this is an autobiography, so this is her telling her story, um, and she's telling it herself. He then had to go and find the hiders. However, if at any point a hider had the good fortune to sneak back to the circle while the finder was finding, he or she could kick the tin again, causing a commotion which prompted us all to yell, Tin can squat! from whatever hiding place we were in. And then followed an undignified scramble, while we all had to find new hiding places and elude the finder, who desperately ran from circle to can to circle while trying to get the others. <laughs> Great fun. We would play for hours until the plaintive female cries began to fill the gathering darkness. Alan! Tea time! Sylvia! Sylvia! Mary! Oh, come in now, you little bugger! We would troop off to our respective homes a little disconsolately, but conceding to a certain hunger after our exertions passing the solitary lamplighter on the way as he raised his long taper to the Victorian lamps that still lined the back street and set them aglow, so that together with the red rays of the setting sun, the huge cobbles seemed to shine and gleam, as lovely as any Arabian desert. In the days before television, music and games featured largely in our lives. At home, my sister and I played our favourite, up and down the stairs with Simba, Simba being our huge, black and, we believed, highly intelligent cat. The rules were simple. Simba would sit on the bottom step and count to twenty, while Tina and I would run and hide. The cat would then come and find us. The fun lay in his stealth and soft tread. We would never know where he was until he appeared, eyes shining with excitement, at the gap under the bed or the door of the wardrobe. Then we would scream with delight and all run downstairs again like maniacs, I played the game once on my own, but never again. I mistakenly closed the wardrobe door after Simba jumped in with me. I could not open it from the inside, and we both howled in misery till we were found. My mother was an opera singer in Estonia and taught singing in Bradford. Her favourite pupil, Svetlana, a handsome Russian woman of indeterminate age, would throw back her magnificent head and soulfully mount the scales, bosom heaving with emotion. I would come back from school and hear my mother pounding the piano while Svetlana swooped up the scale of C. My key turned in the lock and I entered the house. Oh, Mum, I'm home! Oh, hi, Mum! Is tea ready yet? Mum! I gave up and got on with my homework. Sometimes, in an impish mood, I'd stand by the sitting-room door doing loud farmyard impressions. The piano would stop and Svetlana would break off. What was that? My mother would mutter in reply. The singing resumed. My cow, dying in labour, gave voice again. Listen, what is this noise? I ran off, stifling giggles. 
My mother's musicality and love of all things cultural influenced our lives a great deal. I had piano lessons from the age of five and would be made to practice for hours on the sturdy upright in the sitting room, when Svetlana wasn't there, and later gave concerts at the Estonian Club. These latter occasions were nightmarish. Performing as an actor is one thing. You have a character with a life of its own which you can hide behind or become possessed by, but playing the piano, especially the tuneless wreck with sticky keys, which I had to play at the Estonian emigres gatherings, was another. One evening, I'd chosen Beethoven's Moonlight Sonata as my piece. All went well until I was about halfway through, when I realised that I simply could not hear what I was playing any longer. The bloody instrument was so hopelessly out of tune. I floundered, my hands relying purely on muscle memory, and imagined the horror and shame on my mother's face when I would eventually have to stop mid-piece, turn round to the politely expectant faces of the Bradford Estonian community, and apologise for my inadequacy. The image spurred me on, and I fumbled through an awful cacophony of noise until suddenly and miraculously the tune re-emerged. I was sweating with relief, but managed to finish to a flurry of enthusiastic applause. The kindly audience loved a trier, but I learned a valuable lesson that was to help me on stage as an actor in later years. Press on regardless, even if you have to go wrong or make it up. It was more fun to play to myself at home. My mother and I took it in turn. So that's Mary Tam, and she's, um, you know, she, she really gets into the part, but this is a part that she knows very well. This is her. So uh, this is her autobiography. So, um, but yeah, she's... Um, I'm glad she did it herself, you know. <laughs> I'm glad that she read it um and it's it's her own and that uh, she was able to do it before now to my understanding she's been fa- uh, battling cancer for 18 months and uh this came out um either in 2009 or 20 I think the audio um, the book itself might have came out in 2009 and then the um audiobook um the year after so or or, or several months after sometime in 2010. Uh, at least uh, it was available starting on Audible at um, April 2010. So I'm assuming she she did this before the you know she you know she started that that battle against cancer. So um, but so I'm glad she was able to do this in that time frame. Now you can make this your free audiobook selection or anything that you would like to choose that Audible has to offer. You can once again to get your free audiobook download, go to audibletrial.com slash podchock. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash podchock for your free audiobook. And if you happen to be driving and you can't write that URL down or you might not remember it, simply go to podchock.net. And you'll see on the side banner there, you'll see a, a link to uh, the Audible offer. So you can just click on that and um, and do it that way. So podchock.net or audibletrial.com slash podchock. So let's get back to Dr. Who Podchock with your feedback. And we're back with Dr. Pachak, and this is the portion of the show, our, one of our favorite portions of the show. Well, every portion of the show is our favorite, but uh, we get to hear from you, our listeners of Dr. Pachak, and you can be a part of this show simply by calling the Dr. Pachak public call box at 206-984-3543, and that will give you our voicemail system, which you can just leave a message 
for a possible inclusion on the show. So uh, try to keep the running time down short so that we can include it in the show. And because, you know, we, we tend to go on long, so we don't have a lot of time for feedback, but we like to get it in when we can. So, uh, or you can uh, send your feedback to the email address, feedback at net. And since it is an audio show, we do prefer audio feedback whenever possible. So you, if you have a smartphone, you can just simply use the voice memo feature of it and record it and send it via email to us. Um, either way, we, we always enjoy hearing from you. And um, so to that end, we have a um, once again, we have John from Ohio calling in. And um, this is what John had to say. Hello there, gentlemen. It's Justin. from J- Justin, I'm sorry. I just listened to episode 273. Uh, enjoyed it as usual. Wanted to make a comment about the passing of Carolyn John. Uh, she was one of my favorite companions. In fact, she's my favorite John Pertwee companion. Uh, I've always enjoyed her stories. I've watched uh, the first uh, John Pertwee series. She was in um, those four stories over and over and over again because uh, I love her character so much. And uh, I will greatly miss her. And I think of her fondly as one of my favorites. And I've listened to the... Uh, the audible uh, things that she's uh, narrated as well, and uh, she's just excellent. So she will definitely be missed. And uh, thanks, guys, for another great episode, and hope to hear more of you. Uh, I also wanted to thank Dave and Ian uh, for a recent episode of the Calton Collective where they gave the collective a chance to speak about the passing of Carolyn John uh, in the early part of that particular episode. Um, that was a great thing to hear. And uh, maybe feel good to know that uh, there were some people on the collective there that uh, had some uh, nice thoughts about Carol and John, too. So thanks a lot, guys, and take care. Lovely. Uh, lovely. Well, lovely, uh, not in the sense that obviously any news like this is really sad. And uh, I think Ian and myself would just like to say a couple of things because, um, as you quite rightly mentioned, I think the um, you, you had to add in post-production uh, this news from Yeah, our last I did one. because we had we finished recording our last episode when the news broke that, unfortunately, that Caroline John had passed away. All right. Uh, Great. I mean, uh, I mean, people think of some of the other sort of more bubbly characters, you know, the Joe Grant character and so on, but they would have never have worked other than the fact that they were the, the converse of what the uh, List Shaw character was. Right. And she definitely suited to me the third Doctor's persona. You know, he, he was... They had a lovely relationship. Uh, uh, equal, uh, the very first scene that we see her in when she comes into the brigadier's office and uh, he's telling her about these meteor showers and landing uh, and her response to landing. They usually burn up in the atmosphere and uh, she has this prickly, um, uh, you know, sort of uh, highly educated uh, Oxford type uh, No nonsense. No nonsense. But the point is she, she was perfect in her, the way she portrayed that character mm-hmm. and uh, very nice too. Uh, in Inferno I think she has some great parts to play and uh, she definitely was one of the strongest characters that could stand up to the Doctor and one of the great things about uh, different Doctors has been 
you know, with with some doctors that have got very large personalities, you almost feel as though the uh, the, the companion's almost a tea lady to him in a way. Uh, but there are other companions that that, that are feisty, that um, are even at the other extreme there the the conscience of the doctor. Uh, and I think for her time, uh, I think it was Dorothy who said that. Uh, she was actually in something like 24 episodes or something in all. And um, she made a mark and uh, she will be missed. 71 at this day and age is still a young um, age to pass away. And uh, obviously the thoughts went out, uh, as we mentioned on our show, that Justin quite nicely commented on there, uh, go to the family and so on. We're just people who appreciate her work and... Uh, Another sad uh, loss in the Doctor Who world. Yes. Um, for change, I'll actually be brief. Uh, yeah, I'll just reiterate what I said on the, the collective is that uh, you often hear when they're introducing a new companion is, oh, this companion will be a, a match for the Doctor and she'll speak up to the Doctor and she'll she'll be more forceful, blah, blah, blah. Lisha was that exactly that and and you know um where a lot of characters i think tended to end up being the the ankle twisting screaming companion uh liz shaw didn't and as dave Bradley said she played it so well and totally believable character and more than a match for the doctor and yeah it's it's a shame that she's gone yeah, I, I care, I'm sorry. Did you? I, I, well, I was just going to add one thing in that she also appeared in two big Finnish productions as well, audio dramas, uh, Dust Breeding, uh, although playing a character other than Liz Shaw, and The Bluetooth, uh, where as Liz she recounts the uh, narrative from form in that narrative form the adventures she once had with the Doctrine Unit. Mm. Well, I just wanted to comment about what she brought to Doctor Who in her character. She played Liz Shore, and she was one of the... Uh, this was 1970s, so this is an era where you didn't see a lot of strong women characters in science fiction, or, or for that matter, anywhere, but it, especially, you know, in... Um, you know, in science fiction, you had um, you had her come on, uh, you know, as this very strong, independent uh, woman who... Um, as we said, wouldn't be afraid to put the doctor in his place and, um, you know, she wouldn't be put down and, you know, she's that no nonsense, you know, I'm, you know, it, it, it broke many barriers. And I think it paved the way for other strong women characters in science fiction. And if you, if you, if you um, fast forward nine years later, whatever, to 1979, you had Sigourney Weaver playing um, Ripley and Alien and another strong female character. But, um, you know, and but they're, they're far and few. You had the X-Files later, years later with um, Mulder, uh, not um uh, Skelly. 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 Um, so you have them, but she really kind of paved the way for them. And what's interesting, I just mentioned Sigourney Weaver and Alien now. This year, Prometheus, the prequel to Alien, came out, um, once again directed by um, Ridley Scott. And there's a strong woman character named Liz Shore <laughs> playing the part. Now, I 
is coincidence? Question mark? Question mark? I don't know. Homage. I. It could be. I mean, uh, Ridley Scott is of the UK, and he could have been watching Doctor Who at the time and been inspired by. I don't know. I, who knows? I, I, I don't want to put words and thoughts into because this is all speculation on my part, but who knows? Yeah, and she was in four more companion chronicle plays as well. Uh, and the last one, which was uh, the last post, uh, she only recorded uh, the 26th of January uh, 2012. So it is great that these people have um, such an affection. Um, I think in himself, we were talking weren't we about the uh, the BBC moving from London and the closing down uh, of the thing and they had three of the ex-companions there uh, I mean these these people do move on in other roles but they always have a very fond regard for their time working on Doctor Who right yeah well yeah. And sad loss to the Doctor Who community and once again um, sort of taken, you know, because she, she was only 71, sort of, you know, and to, I mean, to my knowledge, she wasn't ill. And, I mean, I don't know. We still don't know the cause of her death, but it doesn't matter. But it was, it's not like Nicholas Courtney where we sort of expect, you know, he, we've seen how he was getting on. And um, this was sort of uh, um, in the light of Elizabeth Sladen where we just was taken back by it, you know, um, unexpectedly. Uh, of course, yeah, I was going to say Jeffrey Beavers, of course. Is uh, left as her uh, widow um, played uh, the, the master. second master in the Keeper of Trocken. Uh, the the second well the the second yeah, decrepit this, master. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not recognisable, maybe. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah. we're about to end the show, but before we do, we want to do a, a, a quick shout out to a regular listener and a Pachak supporting. Subscriber known as Mystery Presenter. You heard him on the show. He's sent plenty of feedback in the past. And um, last time he sent feedback, he also sent in this clip of a, uh, a show that he's doing. I guess it's a podcast called Rebugged with um, 1G. If, I guess you, if you search for it, I'm not sure if it's in iTunes, but I, uh, I, I would do a search for it there. If not, Google it with um, R E B U G E D is what it's called. And um, the clip is kind of long, so we're, we're, we'll just play a little bit of it here. I warned you, Beckett. We knew about this assassination threat to Miss Fabrizi. That's why we're here. All you've done is put her and her friend in grave danger. Oh, we were both quite safe, you know. I wanted to flush out the assassin. Yes. Well, he certainly won't be giving you any more trouble. There's my car outside, Mr. Breezy, if you'd like to come with us. As for you, Beckett, get out of here before I close you down. Do you remember the program this is from? Six four seven, you are not clear for takeoff. Repeat, not clear for takeoff. I know. I know. Oh, are you starting to get her interest in finding out more about this program? Mr. Beckett, what? All right, well, we did say that's a little bit of it from his show, and um. I would say check it out. I'm not sure. <laughs> Again, as with everything with Mr. Presenter, it's a mystery. 
www.rebuged.co.uk. Oh, okay. He has a website. Good. Yes. Well, um, so... It's a mystery. It's a mystery. So, uh, yeah, so check that out. And I think that's going to wrap up our show. I'll just get the wrapping paper then. <laughs> Sorry, I always want to do that. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and as always, be sure to check out uh, the Cultum Collective. That's uh, available on iTunes and also on TalkShoe Live at 2 p.m. on Sundays, where you'll get to hear more mayhem of Dave and Ian together on the Cultum Collective. <laughs> available, available. We're giving it away. <laughs> <laughs> Mayhem is right. It's definitely mayhem. <laughs> and they're sporting new cover artwork with um with the two characters it um realized as the Sixth Doctor and Ed Bishop from UFO Striker. <laughs> <laughs> Commander yes. Striker. Just very slightly flattering uh images. Yes. Um and um Lewis Willing, um I'd like to give a shout out to uh Aaron McKee. Uh, design and illustration uh, who Excellent made this work. possible. Um, and you can find his website at uh, aaronmckee.co.uk. Uh, you'll see his portfolio there. And the wonderful thing about Aaron is um, he is a Doctor Who fan and a science fiction fan. And I think you can tell that in some of the examples he's got in his portfolio. Um, and we just, again, we'd love to thank him for... I didn't ask him to put um, me in the Six Doctors coat. He did that on his own. And <laughs> but I'm sure you're loving it. I was, I was like, <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. yes, yes, it's perfect. Yeah, I'm, he'd been on the uh, Adipose tablets for six months before they took that. And I'm, I'm happy that it's the proper six. Stuff with a whip, and I didn't really get that. But anyway, we got that changed. <laughs> well, I'm happy it's the proper six doctor's coat, too, not that blue rubbish thing. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, well, is, it, is it plugged long enough there, Dave? <laughs> Did you send the check? Good. Okay. So thank you both, as always, and uh, um, until next time. Uh, oh, you should by by the, by this time you probably already heard it by now if you're a Pachak supporting subscriber. But we just um, put out another new episode on the feed for supporting subscribers: the John Prettle interview that. Both uh, Ian and um, Dave had conducted the. We had it on it. We had it on our show a few episodes ago. But this is the complete interview. So if you enjoyed that interview, check out episode Doctor Who Pachak episode two seventy four, which is the complete interview. It's really a good interview, and I really recommend. Well, I, 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 I'm obviously I'm biased, but it's um I it's I enjoyed it <laughs> listening to it myself. There's even footage on uh, the. Uh the Podshock version of the interview it wasn't on the Cultum version of the interview so you're getting even more of a, a plus there so uh, uh, extra yep. goodies yep and remember we can't do the show without your support you too can become a Podshock supporting subscriber if you're not one already simply go to the Podshock.net website or arttrap.com on the top there you'll see a banner to become a Pachak supporting subscriber for a low monthly fee you'll be helping us out tremendously we'll be able to keep the show going bring out more episodes and do these extra episodes when we can to as a thank you for supporters so those are uh, special episodes solely for Pachak supporting subscri subscribers and we want to thank all our supporters we again um, this show is made possible by 
our listeners, Dr. Who Pachak supporting subscribers. So once again, go to uh, pachak.net or arttrap.com and click on the banner to become a Pachak supporting subscriber. It doesn't cost much and it helps us tremendously. Thank you. All right. All right. Well, thanks once again. Thank you both once again. And thanks everyone for listening. Thank you. And goodbye. Cheers. Thank you. You have been listening to Doctor Who Pachak, presented by the fan-run GallifreyEmbassy.org. Doctor Who is owned and trademarked by the BBC. Doctor Who Pachak is not affiliated with the BBC in any way. Doctor Who Pachak theme music by Jeff Smith at thejeffsmith.com. This has been a production of Art Trap Productions and is presented to you by the Gallifreyan Embassy and has been made possible in part by supporting subscribers and donations from listeners like you. This episode is also supported by the Podshock Podcast Companion app for iOS devices now in the, available in the iTunes App Store. Visit ArtTrap.com for more on this and other podcasts. I'm so sorry, Ken. I'm the holidays off. Doctor. That's the new assistant. My name is Ramona Varadna Lunda. I'm so sorry about that. Is there anything we can do? The President of the Supreme Council sent me. I was told to give you this. Number six. According to my instructions, it's the court of the key of time. Ah. Very exciting, isn't it? Yes, I suppose it must be for someone as young and inexperienced as you are. I may be inexperienced, but I did graduate from the academy with a triple first. I suppose you think we should be impressed by that, too. Well, it's better than scraping through with 51% at the second attempt. That information is confidential. That president. I should have thrown him with the Santanas when I had the chance. Oh, do you want to know how that works? I know how it works. You have to plug it into your TARDIS controls just there. A hole. What's a hole doing in my TARDIS? I'll put it there. You? You put a hole in my... Never mind, old girl, never mind. I'll still have it fixed. When plugged into the control console, the core indicates the space-time coordinates of each segment of the... Oh, that's clever. That's very clever. Ah, 4180. I'll look up those coordinates, shall I? No, there's no need. Well, don't you want to know what planet it is? I know. Sirenis Minima. Oh. Just a matter of experience, you see. Yes, of course. What else does it do? Well, it locates the segment at close range once we've landed on the appropriate planet. Ah, uh-huh. well, that could be very useful. And then, when it's brought into contact with the disguised segment, it converts it back into its proper form. What would you like me to do? Well, I'd like you to stay out of my way as much as possible and try and keep out of trouble. I don't suppose you can make tea. Tea? No, no, I don't suppose you can. They don't teach you anything useful at the academy, do they? Gadgets and gimmickry. Never touch, never trust gimmicky gadgets. That's hardly a gimmick, Doctor. Uh-uh. What? <laughs> <laughs>